What a weekend of football. Welcome back to First and 30. I'm your host, as always, Harris Rubenstein. We have a very special guest. Actually, I don't even know if the term special even qualifies. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to reintroduce my former co-host, Andrew Primavera, back onto the airwaves. You might be the only Los Angeles Rams season ticket holder. So that makes you the perfect person to co-host this podcast with me today. How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm doing fantastic as the uh, singular voice for Rams fans. Uh, you are correct. I may be one of three Rams fans. <laughs> I may be one of seven people that knew the game was going on yesterday. Oh, good. And Lord. I am definitely the only person that cheered. Wait, so before we get into both games, I have to know: did did Los Angeles care at all about the game yesterday? Like, did was the general vibe of the city excited for an NFC Championship game, or did they just not care at all? Listen, here's the reality. Um, the sports bar that I watched this at, when we first got there at the beginning of the game, maybe three people in the place. <laughs> maybe. Probably two people watching the game, one person that's, uh, you know, uh, just there on a Sunday morning. The place starts to fill in because it's MLK Day today, so obviously people are, you know, going to go out on a Sunday afternoon. Of course. And I think it was one of those situations where people were like, oh, the Rams are on. I'm from Los Angeles. I should watch this. <laughs> And then I think slowly, by the time we got to overtime, people were like, oh, wait, wait. Um, does this mean we're going to make the Super Bowl? And it kind of just became one of those trending things. So I think, I think listen, people are definitely going to be about it. I'm sure I'll see some flags uh, this, this week. I'll, I'm right. sure that you'll see a little bit more buzz about it. Um, but don't believe it for a second. It's, 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 all just, uh, it's all just a fad out here. I know, look, I mean, at least least we can always count in L.A. to throw a party if something big is going to happen. So I have to if they'll get up for the Super Bowl. I mean, the NFC Championship game is still kind of just an event for football diehards. But the Super Bowl is definitely an event for the people. Is it? I would think so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I think. I think most of New England was watching yesterday. I well, think that's most a whole different. That's a whole different animal. That's <laughs> at this point. That's just like I think the 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 numbers came out on the ratings where it was like over sixty percent of home televisions in New England watched the Patriots AFC Championship game. Sixty percent of all homes. So that that's just about as ridiculous as you're going to get. So I don't think LA came anywhere close to that. No, and you know the other forty percent are just at the Cascade flag, and oh, so that's a hundred percent retention it, right the there. The forty, the other forty percent were at someone else's house watching this. But all right, let's actually talk about these games. Let's start with first and five. Let's just break down like the Saints and Rams games in general, because we'll get to the the PI call a little bit later. But I I stayed up pretty late last night watching the highlights of both games over and over and over again, and. Look, buddy, I'll be real. The 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 Saints probably should have won that game. They did not deserve to win that game at all. They played like crap against a team that they had were definitely better against on both sides of the ball. Probably had a better coaching staff also. The Rams wouldn't use Todd Gurley for whatever whatever reason that was. And it seems that the whole world is just saying, well, the reason they didn't win is because of this P.I. call. 
Well, no. What about the fact that they blew a massive lead at home in a playoff game? Drew Brees was awful in the second half and in overtime, and it's just because of of a PI call that the Rams like that the Saints deserve to win. They played awful. They by no means deserve to win that game. The Rams with a lot of odds stacked against them. The noise, the no Todd Gurley, you know, getting over Goff's, you know, ego basically in the first half. They deserve to win that game down the stretch. I don't care what happened with the PI call. The Rams were the better team. I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, I think honestly it falls on Sean Payton more than anyone. Um, I, I, I just think he completely played his team out of the game by the top of the fourth. Um, I mean, listen, if, if you, if you were looking for a roadmap for the Rams to win this game in new Orleans, if we were talking about this on Friday afternoon, you would have said, well, Goff would have needed to play at the best level he's ever played at his most elite. Gurley needs to be back at full health and they need to be utilizing him in the right way. Mm -hmm. TJ Anderson needs to still be, you know, a formidable third, third down back and the defense needs to hold it together. That's not what happened at all. No. (laughs) Um, I mean, as you pointed out, I, I, I continue to think, I I think there is something wrong with Gurley from a health perspective. And I think that three weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, he hasn't played in even longer than three weeks and I'm really hopeful that with, you know, two more weeks, they'll be able to, you know, figure out what's going on, but it, it definitely has to be health related. Um, Anderson has been fine in his place, but there is no replacement for Todd Gurley. Uh, Goff yesterday was fine. I thought, you know, he was decent. He was he good enough. Together. He kept the offense moving, but really, I mean, the MVP of this game was the Rams defense that has consistently been awful since about week four. Which you know, they no went one from, you know, Right, right. I mean, I, I, I mean, they went from like being able to hold the Chargers to 23 in week four to consistently giving up 30 points to Seattle, to, you know, the Cowboys, to the Packers. The entire secondary looked completely helpless. Aaron Donald was completely alone for several weeks. And the reality is yesterday is the most complete game that Wade Phillips has put together with that defense. Mm-hmm. Marcus Peters looked, dare I say, competent. <laughs> impossible. Excellent. Impossible. Marcus Donald, Peters not allowed to look good. good. Donald, I, he, he, again, I didn't say good. I said competent. Um, and honestly, Aaron Donald had great support from Corey Littleton and uh, Sue. So That was Sue's you know, best really, game I, of the year for the Rams. He was a, a force of nature yesterday. He was nuts. That was the best game he's had all year. A thousand percent. So, so I was really, I was really shocked by that. And I don't think there's enough credit being given to that defense and to Wade Phillips for finally figuring out something that I think people expected, you know, from the jump of the season, we were talking about maybe one of the best defensive rosters of all time. And they consistently undermet those expectations until basically yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I I think enough, enough people aren't really talking about is the fake punt by McVay might be one of the best calls we've ever seen. Well, if, well when you have Johnny Hecker, the weapon, at you know who might be who basically was the third best quarterback of the weekend. I don't know. I mean, I, I love the call, but for me, it just they started off so slow. And one of the things that really confused me about this is that like they had to know, had to know that it was going to be loud as all hell in there for at least the first half of the game. Because keeping that up for four quarters of football is tough for any crowd. 
but you had to know that that place was going to be loud. They looked really unprepared for the crowd noise that they definitely should have expected to happen. Like, I get it. It's tough playing in that environment. But they already played in that environment earlier in the year and then came into the game again looking like, oh, the Superdome was going to be loud? Who would have thunk? That was a really weird way for them to start the game. They looked totally outmatched. I, I completely agree. I mean, I don't even know if it's if it's a matter of preparation, but it's, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, have speakers. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be practicing with, you know, speakers blaring crowd noise during the week. It's a completely different thing when the New Orleans defense steps up for that entire first quarter and the crowd just feeds off that. I mean, I, I mean they, they played a way more aggressive scheme than we saw in the first matchup. Yep. And to be honest, I think their expectation was that this was going to be another 80-point uh, shootout. And I think the minute that that stopped working and they didn't have a run game to turn back on, because again, nobody knows what's happening with Todd Gurley, but something's definitely going on there. When they couldn't fall back on that, it's like, are you really going to put, you know, are you really going to put the fate of this team in TJ Anderson's hands after one good game against Dallas? No. Why not? no. So I think, I, I think honestly, the, the fake punt completely took the air out of that um, arena and it really never came back. And it, it's probably one of the ballsiest calls we've seen because if that does not work, the game's over. Mm-hmm. The, the game is completely over. There, there is no way they come back from that. The call that uh, I want to look at, though, let's go to the the kind of the, the awful missed PI, but mostly the fourth quarter in overtime when it first happened. And, and NFL Twitter is is super fun this way that every person on Twitter is the best head coach ever and knows exactly how to manage both time downs and every scoring situation possible because they all have computers right in front of them. So everyone's an instant head coach. I really, I actually didn't hate the Sean McVay go for field goal call instead of the touchdown. Because, look, you're on the road in the NFC Championship game. Your defense, up to that point, has held one of the best offenses and the best quarterbacks in football to 20 points. They kicked the field goal with the, you know, arguably, the, I'd say Greg the Legs, probably definitely top five in the league, maybe top three. You take the certain points to tie the game. I don't know why people were challenging McVay so much. I would totally have gone for the field goal 10 times out of 10. Sure, you're giving Breeze the ball back with what? I don't know, three minutes left, maybe four minutes left. I just found it to be a very strange thing to get on McVay about. Of Oh, he doesn't have the balls to go for the touchdown. Well, it's either we go for the touchdown, we don't get it, we're screwed. Or we get the field goal and we can get Aaron Donald back on the field to maybe force a turnover or to at least stop them. And it ended up working. Obviously, the P.I. call, you know, however you want to look at it. But, I mean, the Saints still took the lead and then were unable to keep the Rams out of the out of field goal range in a minute and a half. They got the ball back with right. two minutes left and people are like, oh, well, it's the P.I.'s fault. What about the Saints defense, the vaunted Saints defense who wasn't able to stop uh, you know, a, a pretty mediocre Rams offense up to that point from getting into field goal range? Now, props to Greg the Leg for hitting probably two of the clutches back-to-back kicks we've seen in a very long time. I don't know. I think the missed P.I. call is getting way too much attention. I think the Saints, with that P.I. call, even without it, they did not do enough to win that game. And, like, 
The Rams' offense wasn't spectacular. They only scored 26 points. They only ended up scoring two touchdowns all game. I thought it was a very weird game plan all around for the Saints. I think they totally misplayed this entire matchup. Well, let me let me first just get in front of this P.I. call by acknowledging it's completely egregious. It's definitely one of the worst instances we have seen of a no call. Oh, for um, sure. But you know what? But 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 you know what? My, my honest belief is there's a call. There's a no call on every single play, mm-hmm. every single play of a football game. Yep. And if you really want to isolate on that and you want to nitpick it like that, then sure, there are a million plays that could be determining, um, you know, football games on any given week. My feeling on this is, first of all, the Saints should have never been in the position where they needed that PI call. Yep. That was horrible clock management going into, uh, going into that drive by um, Sean Payton. Beyond the fact that Drew Brees, like you said, only put up seven points and a half, Alvin Kamara touched the ball seven times in the second half. That's not good, on that Bob. Final drive, That's not good. <laughs> on that final drive, when you need to eat up clock, why the hell are you throwing it? Why and are you also, even putting yourself in a position where you need to convert? Look who you're targeting to. You're targeting Tommy Lee Lewis. Don't you have the first yeah. team all pro wide receiver in Michael Thomas who, I get it, Akeem Talid definitely played a good matchup against him. He covered him well. There is no excuse that in the NFC Championship game, through overtime, Michael Thomas got seven targets all game. Seven targets all game. Rob Gronkowski had more targets than Michael Thomas did. And Rob Gronkowski has been a shell of himself all season long. I don't know why they didn't at least try to get the ball to Michael Thomas more. Screens, slants, something. This dude is a first-team All-Pro. Right. And it seemed like, honestly, like Kamara and Thomas were both put on the back burner for incorporating, you know, the, the pet project of Hill into the game for whatever reason. Um, I, and, and beyond beyond the point, beyond the fact that they put themselves in a situation where they shouldn't have needed that PI call, the Saints still got a pretty good run after that. They won the coin toss. Drew Brees yes. is asked to lead a game-winning drive. I think that after this season, you would expect Drew Brees at a bare minimum to put them in field goal range. Oh, for sure. And, and, and he coughs up he coughs up a horrible throw and an easy interception. And as far as I'm concerned, at that point, you got to really separate the outcome of the game with that PI call. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that Drew Brees should not have been able to handle that drive. At the very least, bring his team into field goal range and maybe trust his defense that they can stop a Rams offense that is basically missing their number one weapon. The the brilliant With the youngest quarterback to play in that game. The brilliant irony also is that, like, the overtime rules with, like, everything went on the Patriots game and also the Saints game. The brilliant irony is that the Saints got the ball first with Drew Brees at home and threw a pick. That's just just unreal to me. Yeah. And, and, And to be honest, you know, look, Brees hasn't had a good postseason. No. Go back to that Philadelphia game. You're going to see the same kind of mistakes that they made this week. There was very few adjustments. I think he's looked sloppy since the season ended. Um, And I think a lot of that hangs up on him beyond the fact that I think there's plenty of blame to go around. And I don't think the PI call should be looked at as the determining factor. I think we also just need to make a decision as sports fans. What are we talking about here? Every single week we talk about how in the last two minutes of a game, we should just be letting the players play. How many times do we hear that every single week of the regular season? And then it finally comes to a moment 
where the officiating is like, look, it's, it's the last two minutes of the NFC championship game. Did he's got to have some kind of flexibility here I th- and everybody yeah. loses their mind. I we we, we got to call... take a stance here. We got to take a side. Is, is, is this, is this an offensive league or are we going to try to have some kind of balance here? I think people freaked out about that call also even more because that was the, the it thing on social media. The, the, the problem with that social media is brought to the NFL is that, you know, that was a pretty terrible missed call. Definitely was not, didn't, Really, I mean, people are saying that stopped the Saints' chance to win a Super Bowl. I mean, it's not like they didn't have multiple chances afterwards to win the game. But, I mean, if if there was no Twitter, there was no social media, I have to imagine. I don't think the, the reaction to that call would have been as egregious. But people love to pile on to things excessively, especially in sports, when stuff like that happens. So, look, the call was bad. They missed the call. But the, there, I'm with you. There should be way more reaction to the fact that the Saints got the ball first in overtime at home against a defense that we know that they can beat. They put up 50 points against them earlier in the season, and they were unable to give a get to midfield. It just it was a very weird turn of events. Also, one thing you want you mentioned Drew Brees not being that great in the playoffs. That offense has not been the same since that game against the Cowboys. They just were they just didn't have that unstoppable feel to them anymore. And it was kind of what ended up screwing them over. I mean, even against the Eagles, they weren't that good. They only put up 20 points at home against the Eagles. So, it just, look, it's a sad way to end back-to-back seasons for the Saints. But, I mean, let's not act like they didn't have opportunities here to win both of those games in both years. So, I don't feel that bad. Completely agree. Completely agree. All right, bud. Let's move on. Because I wanted to give you the Rams and the Saints game first because – Everyone has been raging about the Patriots-Chiefs game all day long. I'm happy that we've all gotten the day off because I still cannot believe that they ended up winning this game because that was just the quintessential game that they have lost. It's just on the road, you know, AFC Championship game against an elite quarterback. They have lost that game literally three times. Those are the three biggest losses, three of the five biggest losses for the Patriots in their dynasty's run was the 06 AFC Championship game against Manning where they came back from 21 down, or they were up 21 and they lost. The awful, awful two back-to-back losses they had against Denver on the road in the AFC Championship game. And then this was the perfect time for them to again you know, go out to the huge lead in the first half, shut out the Chiefs, uh, you know, in, in the first two quarters, and then give up 31 points in the second half. It's just so quintessential Patriots blowing something. And good Lord, Tom Brady is just, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in sports, in any sport. This is just, this is no longer on the in the realm of things that have ever even come close to happening before. Michael Jordan never did anything like this. LeBron never did anything like this. None of the like none of the great Yankees teams ever even came close to pulling off anything like like this. This is just this is unfathomable how he keeps doing this over and over and over again. Sure, the Chiefs defense was awful and there were a couple iffy calls that definitely went the Patriots way to give them a little bit of advantage, but Let's also not act like the Chiefs didn't get absolutely dominated in that game. And the only reason the score was close is because, holy shit, Patrick Mahomes is the second coming of every great quarterback combined into one. 
that the look at the, listen to these stats. Listen, to this. this is this is one of the most unreal things I, I think I've ever seen. The Patriots doubled the Chiefs in first downs, thirty six to eighteen. They doubled them in total plays, 94 to 47. They almost doubled them in total yardage, 524 to 290 yards, and somehow the Chiefs kept it close. The Patriots had over 130 more rushing yards. The Chiefs had 41 rushing yards that whole game, and it still went to overtime. I, crazy stuff. An amazing game. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, look, the, the the reality is, in terms of a full body of work from that game, Brady was fickle. He had some pretty bad throws. He had a couple of bad you ones. You can definitely yeah. start to see. You can start to see some cracks in the game for sure. But I think what's most unbelievable is when it matters, he's still money, and I just don't think that's changing anytime soon. I think the scary thing about this game, specifically from a Rams perspective is I actually thought this was also the most help that he's had on offense all year. I think that his supporting guest has finally gotten up to his level. Edelman is finally back into the form that I think people have been waiting basically half a season for. Yeah, God, I Jesus. think that obviously Sony now being healthy and being properly utilized is an absolute game changer. Mm-hmm. Probably the best, probably the best, most balanced offense Brady has maybe had. It, I, honestly, I feel like Sony's probably the most dynamic back he's had to rely on. It's tough um, because they've had so many. They've had a couple really good running games a couple of his years. Obviously, the best running game they had with Brady was 4 with Corey Dillon. But they also had that crazy year with Legarrette Blunt where he had like 18 rushing touchdowns. So who can really know? It, yeah, it's t- it's tough to say. But nevertheless, Michelle gives them a completely new dimension to their game. Takes a little bit of pressure off of Brady. And then honestly, the fact that Chris Hogan is even alive as a pulse <laughs> in this game, as you and I know uh, but, too but, well, but seriously, <laughs> un- 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 unbelievable. Because at the end of the day, Brady could not have done that. I mean, really, those two key drives on his own. There were huge, huge gains by Gronk, Edelman, and Hogan. That's exactly how they needed to win the game. That's exactly what Brady needed to win the game. You know he's going to put the ball right where it needs to be, but at the end of the day, it's still tough to come down with that. And Hogan, Edelman, and Gronk all did a great job. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think, you know, listen, I don't want to take anything away from it. Obviously, Brady was pretty much perfection on that game-winning drive, but the only reason that the Patriots, in my opinion, win this game is because, oh my God, Brian Flores. Yeah, like, dude. I I, yeah. I I honestly was I was in the camp last year when Patricia left, and especially when Patricia kind of took the blame for that Eagles um, Super Bowl. I kind of thought it was nonsense. I thought he was a pretty good defensive coordinator. I, I, I disagreed I with the, you all year long. And, that too was not and, good. And I know you did. And I and, and I know you did. And and I will say right now that I was wrong. And uh, whether or not Patricia was as bad as he's been made out to be, I think the fact of the matter is that personnel was not being utilized to the best of their potential. And I think Flores has really gotten that out of especially the secondary. And to be honest, like I was not expecting going into this game that the Patriots were going to play Mahomes pretty much the best that any team has. Yeah, besides and the Ravens. I think the I love, Ravens were the only team that really gave them a run for their money. That was in Kansas City, too. But even just consistency. I mean, the fact that they could shut Mahomes down consistently in, in an entire half is, is pretty remarkable. And, you know, while, while, again, I love Brady, nothing but respect towards Brady, he obviously sealed that victory for them. The only reason 
that they continue to be in that game is because of the Patriots defense. Yep. Um, and, and I really, I really do think, I really do think that um, Flores called an amazing game. And I also want to say too, I actually didn't think McDaniel's called the best game either. He you know, called, I, I think, honestly, yeah, honestly, like, honestly, like they really should have been running the ball more than they did. I think that he put Brady in some dangerous situations. I think that goal line interception is kind of McDaniel's fault. Um, that was both. It know, was a bad call, day. but Brady also Brady threw that ball in the worst possible spot. He needed to either go high or he needed to go outside, and he went low and inside, like the worst possible place he could have thrown that ball. It was it was just a bad call. Yeah. Nevertheless, again, really tip my hat to the coaching staff. You know, Brady definitely did it. He definitely is the mm-hmm. reason they are going to Atlanta, going back to the Super Bowl. Um, but he's not able to get there if everybody isn't on his level. And this was the first time all season I felt like the coaching staff and um, his weapons were on his level. The, de- the problem that I always had with Patricia's defenses is that you'd watch the team and the defense just never seemed like they have a pulse. Like, they were just kind of like dudes out there who were told to do something and they were just trying to do it. But with this Flores system this year, and this happened a couple times where, like, they just seem alive and they're moving and there's guys all over the places. You know, they're, they're linebackers coming on blitzes and they're pulling stunts. And, like, there's no surprise to me that Trey Flowers put up his best season this year when they finally moved away from Patricia. But I don't know, just the after that Julian Edelman interception where the Chiefs, you know, they're right at the goal line, two plays, he scored a touchdown. Once the Patriots went down 21 to 17, here's what they did the next three drives. Ten plays, 75 yards, touchdown, six plays, 65 yards, touchdown, and then overtime, 13 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Like, there's just I understand what you're saying about like McDaniel's, you know, maybe didn't call the best game. Also, the reason they stopped running the ball, Sony Michelle ran out of gas. Like they, they gave him 20 carries in the first half. He's a Georgia boy. It was cold. I think he just ran out of gas, which is why we saw so much Rex Burkhead in the second half. But it's just the you and I have talked about this a ton this year with this Patriots team, whether it was Edelman, but mostly Gronk and how he's just not, he's not the same player anymore. If you watch a second of football this year with the Patriots, you can see that. But what they've been able to do this, this past two games, they've utilized his blocking more so than any other stretch of the entire season. They've allowed him to play a little more on the outside and not on the inline. So we can get a little bit more of the one-on-one matchups on the outside. And also, you just had to expect that eventually Gronk was going to have one more Gronk game where he was just going to show up and stomp on someone's face. And finally we had that game where he just, sure, he wasn't Gronk versus the Colts three years ago. He wasn't Gronk versus Seattle in the Super Bowl. But he looked like Rob Gronkowski at the best he could possibly be right now. And that's another reason why I just I just don't know how the Rams end up beating the Patriots if Gronk plays at least 90% of what he was against the Chiefs. He, to me, was the entire key to this entire Patriots offense. The blocks that he was throwing in the run game in the first and second half were just unlike anything we have seen from him all season long, maybe even the past two seasons in terms of what he's been able to do on the offensive line. But it's just, I can't believe they won that game. There were two turnovers, 
you know, they didn't turn the ball over or they didn't get uh, Mahomes to throw a one interception, get the ball a turnover at all. No crazy special teams plays. Thank God Julian Edelman didn't touch that ball. Though, good Lord, Prima, he, he did just about everything he could possibly do to have touched that ball, to not end up touching that ball. I don't know what the hell he was thinking even going close to that. I completely agree. Disgusting. I completely agree. I mean, but, I mean, after after about uh, forty, you know, reevaluations of the play, I feel pretty confident in saying he didn't touch the he ball. He didn't touch it, but he should have touched that damn ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's let's go to the Super Bowl because the, the, these two championship games they were fun, they were great, but the Super Bowl that we are given this year is I don't know. I don't want to say it's the Super Bowl you probably should have expected maybe it was a Super Bowl we probably should have expected to end up happening but what I see here Prima is maybe the most beautiful of a either a passing of the torch scenario or a let's end this dynasty on a high note scenario and I think either way either team that wins this Super Bowl is just it's a great headline to end the season on because you know with all these head coaches hiring their, you know, their own versions of Sean McVay, you know, the Rams trade up for Jared Goff, you know, they sign all these free agents. It's great for the future of the NFL. If the Patriots win, probably going to be their last Super Bowl win, though I say probably they have 12 draft picks next year. Who the hell knows? And a hell of a cap space too. But if the Patriots win this one, probably the end of the dynasty. They, you know, they cap it off on both ends with a Super Bowl win against the Rams. And maybe, maybe, maybe Tom Brady rides off into the sunset after he wins his third Super Bowl in five years. I wonder if they actually win this Super Bowl, if this is the time where they walk away. Him and Gronk, they're like, we won, we're out of here, let's go do something else with our lives. However, it is just as likely that the Patriots win, and Brady's like, yeah, I'm playing until I'm 50 now, because everyone else sucks, and I've mastered this sport. Yeah, I agree. It's a beautiful storybook ending, specifically for Brady. Um, I think to have won his first Super Bowl against a franchise that in the time between then and now has basically gone through two to three rebuilding cycles, relocated cities (laughs) and completely rebranded. I I, I think, I think it definitely is a really great measuring stick for just how long and how consistent his uh, dominance on the league has been. That being said, they could blow out the Rams Brady could win the Super Bowl. I don't think there's a chance he walked away. No, I don't think there's Pipe a. Dream. I don't think there is a chance, especially with the fact that they now have some young weapons on offense. Honestly, like I, I really think, I think that he is too competitive to stop playing until his body is the one that's dictating him to do so. I think that he's the type of person that would be sitting at home the entire time thinking about, could have I played this season? Could have I played two more seasons? And even if it just means another appearance and another loss in the Super Bowl in two, you know, two more years from now, I think for Brady, he knows that that's still adding to his legacy. Mm-hmm. Nine Super Bowl appearances at this time, more than any other team outside of the Patriots. He, he, he knows that there is still a way for him to extend his legacy. Honestly, at this point, he has nothing left to prove. If he wins another Super Bowl ring, I mean, I mean, I mean what are we saying here? He's still the greatest of all time. <laughs> Arguably like, now probably the greatest point, athlete in American sports. He, he's, not in, he's not in a situation like, you know, LeBron, for example, 
where every finals loss feels like a, a dent on his career. Yep. Because Brady has already pulled off so many miracles and already won five championships that it, that it really doesn't matter. Whether he goes, you know, five and three, five and four, six and three, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. So I agree with you. I think it is a storybook ending. I would love to say that this is the end of the Patriots dynasty. I would love to say that, you know, Tom Brady could walk away from this game. I just don't think it's going to happen regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I think is maybe the most incredible about Brady also, outside of the championships for me, look, we, you and I have called LeBron, he, he's the great black hole, or he was the great black hole of the Eastern Conference. Just the amount of, of potential dynasties and great teams that just entered his orbit and got sucked into nothing was just unmatched. And Brady, the, the thing that was so great, uh, so great about Brady is that that's not just for the AFC. He has extended that towards the entire NFL. He sucked up and spat out the greatest show on turf ramps. He, he did the same thing to McNabb's Eagles. The only, you know, in moving into the, the 2010s, got rid of the Seahawks dynasty with the Legion of Boom. Stopped in its tracks what probably should have ended up being a, a pretty good run by the Atlanta Falcons and almost stopped the Doug Peterson, Nick Foles, Eagles thing. Good Lord, I can't believe that's one of the only three teams he wasn't able to beat. Now he has an opportunity to suck up another great team into his midst and blow up the Goff McVay Rams, which really are the flavor of the year in the NFL. I mean, they just, you know, took a 50-touchdown MVP in Patrick Mahomes, sent him home. Now they get the Goff McVay Rams. It's just, at this point, you, you got to just say, not only, this is the greatest run of any athlete, football player, franchise ever, but just, I don't know if we've ever had an athlete take over a league like this and just shut out so many potential great teams. Like, even LeBron wasn't able to shut down the Warriors at some point, but no team has been able to really overcome the the great black hole of Tom Brady. Like, this is just unmatched at this point. And I think it's the moving parts that make it most impressive. You know, I I mean, obviously, when you're playing for this long, you're not going to retain the same weapons around you. It's not going to be the same personnel, um, either on the roster or on the, you know, head coaching staff. But with the exception of you know, Bill and McDaniels, there's basically been no consistency. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's been one of the most um, inconsistent rosters in the NFL the last, you know, decade and a half. Yeah. Because every team has poached their talent and every team has poached their head coaching staff um, or rather their uh, coordinators to then become head coaches. It's going to happen uh, again this year too. Very, Yep, yep. I mean, it's definitely not going to happen with McDaniels. I think we, I think we've done that dance a few too many times. But I, he's uh, clearly, Flores, he's clearly got the setup and the, uh, you know, under the table handshake of, yeah, you're taking over for Bill when Bill leaves. <laughs> like he's like the yeah, highest I mean, paid I would, coordinator in football. I'm pretty sure he gets he paid more than like eighty percent of NFL head coaches as an offensive coordinator. So shrug. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a stake in TB12 at this point, to be honest with you. But I, I think that, you know, that's what makes it most unbelievable to me is that he has had to deal with not just a fluctuating league um, that is constantly an arms race to essentially take the Patriots down, whether you're in the AFC or in the NFC, but the fact that he has had to do it 
more or less on his own a lot of the times. Um, so I, I think that is most impressive. I think you're absolutely right. More than any team, more than any dynasty, more than any athlete, um, he has been an example of excellence. And there's nothing anybody can really say to take it away from that. It's frustrating for every other team in the league, but that's just the way it is. Yep. All right, buddy. Rams, Patriots, Super Bowl. I don't even know what Super Bowl. Are we are 55, 53 now? I forget which Super Bowl we're on. I, th- I think so. Honestly, couldn't tell you. The minute we transitioned <laughs> over to L's, yeah, I, I was out. Just I was up. out. All right, what's your prediction? Because, I mean, like, it'd be great for you as a season ticket holder to get a uh, a Super Bowl win under your belt. You'd be able to sell a, a ton of tickets next year and make a, a pretty penny, but – do the Rams have a chance against Brady and Belichick, or is this just going to be another random NFC team in a long line of stompings by the Patriots? They certainly have a chance. Um, and I say that because, honestly, last year I felt pretty high on the Patriots going into that game, and they got completely outcoached by Doug Peterson. They did. So it, it's a 1,000% within play for the Patriots to drop the ball. Um, I personally think this Super Bowl, what, what makes this Super Bowl most compelling to me, and I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this, I think it honestly might be the best head coaching staff that we've had on either side of the ball. And even going down to the coordinators between Flores, Daniel, McDaniels, uh, and Phillips, mm-hmm. this honestly might be one of the best coaching like matchups that we've ever seen. Oh, it's um, stacked. And so for, right. And so for that reason, I think anything's in play. Um, that being said, I think the number one thing that's going to kill the Rams beyond experience is if Todd Gurley is not a thousand percent in this game, I think, I think the writing's on the wall right there. I think with Gurley, they are a matchup nightmare for the Patriots. I think Todd Gurley will eat that front seven alive. Gurley is not in this game. You're basically relying on Goff to put together. I mean, you're probably relying on Goff to put up at least 30 with Cooks, Woods, and Higby. And I just don't know if that's happening with the way that this Patriots secondary is playing. If the Rams are a one-dimensional offense, I think, I honestly think it's a pretty easy scheme for the Patriots. If Gurley is in this game and they can utilize him correctly, totally different ball game. I, I honestly think, I honestly think the balance of the game is, is riding on on his health and his usage. This is going to sound kind of weird, and and I I hate bringing this kind of stuff up in football because I, I I think a lot of it's crap, but I think there is some truth to it. For me, what this Patriots team has been able to do over the past five weeks or so, when they've really gone hot, because if anything, this is like a this Patriots team is like a wild card team that has just gone insanely hot and have just been able to run the table. I mean, they were nine and five going into the last two weeks of the season, so they could have ended up ten and six and maybe as a three or four seed, but they've gotten really hot here. To me, this is the ultimate game of you know uh, uh, the uh, what's the phrase, Primo, where it's like. You're only as great as the sum of your parts, or the the total is the sum of a part. So, what, what's that phrase? I think I think you had it right the first time. You're only as good as the sum of your parts. Yeah, you're only as good as the sum of your parts. For me, this is more about the Rams and their individual pieces versus the Patriots as an entire team. 
And last year, what we saw kind of get turned on its head was that concept. But the Eagles, you know, they've they'd so much talent on both sides of the ball that the ended up being that the sum of all those crazy parts ended up being more valuable than the whole. And I think that this year, th- this Patriots team has a certain kind of hotness to it and a certain level of momentum to it that I just don't think the Rams are gelled enough as a team to go four quarters with Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. And the you know, it reminds me of the Eagles team with McNabb and it reminds me of the Falcons team that they beat two years ago where eventually that amount of talent and ego just falls apart in Super Bowls. It has always fallen apart just over and over. It happened to the Patriots twice in 2007 and 2011 where just that, that concept of not being together as a team just kind of falls apart on you. And I just think that the Rams, after four quarters... It's just going to be too much, and those pieces and the very shallow lines that hold them together are going to end up falling apart. I think the Patriots are going to kind of roll over me here. I don't know how convincing. I don't know how of a convincing game this is going to be. This could be over by the end of the third quarter. Yeah, I'm kind I don't of talking I mean, about they this. I, I, yeah, to be honest, uh, the outcome I don't necessarily disagree with. But it's not exactly like this Chiefs game was a blowout by any means. It's not even like it was a shootout. Um, the offense certainly delivered when it needed to. But that Chiefs defense is terrible. That was awful. That and, defense is one of the worst. And, and even – I mean, I mean, listen, even if, if the, even if, you know, the Rams defense isn't as phenomenal as it was yesterday, I think the fact of the matter is the number one reason that Brady lost that game last year to Peterson – is because they were able to get to him. And yeah. honestly, I think if Donald and Sue are able to even pressure Brady, I think the whole game plan goes out the window. I really do. And, and you know, like, listen, like, Tlaib being back, I don't think Gronk is going to have that same game that we're talking about. I do not think that they're going to be able to spread the love as much as they did against but Kansas City. Here's the I question for you. I would be shocked. I would be absolutely shocked if this became a complete barn burner within the first half. Who I definitely think that the Patriots have the edge, but I think I think you may be getting a little carried away. Who on the Rams? And, I, and I'm I'm saying this as least cocky as I can because I know at the end of the day he is still 32 and there are some, you know, still some issues that could come up with it, but he's been on fire. Who on the Rams is going to cover Julian Edelman? Just I just cuz if it's going to be Marcus Peters that is not going to end well. That is just not going to end well for the Rams. I could not imagine a worse one-on-one matchup between a quarterback and a wide receiver in the NFL than Marcus Peters versus Julian Edelman. Like, that's just going to be ugly. And if Tlaib is going to be expected to cover Gronkowski, and you have no offense to the Rams linebackers, but good Lord, they cannot cover anybody. They cannot cover anybody out of the backfield. I, who's going to cover James White? Who's going to cover Julian Edelman? I just wonder if the Rams just don't have the matchups on the defensive side of the ball to keep up. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. The the linebackers haven't been good in the slot all season, and obviously that's where the Patriots' bread and butter is. That being said, Corey Littleton has had a really good last two games, specifically in coverage. So I, I do feel a little bit more optimistic there. In terms of who's matched up on Edelman, you're probably right that if, if I'm Phillips, you probably are putting – 
to leave on Edelman. Oh, good lord! Because honestly, <laughs> oh no! Because because uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> because honestly, Edelman really is the primary receiver there. Oh, good lord! And I think you're probably you're probably kind of going par for the course with Gronk because, like you said, he's been used a lot as a blocker the last few yes, games. Yes, a lot as a blocker. So you're you're probably you're probably putting all all your eggs in the basket of like, listen, if if I'm going to beat the Patriots, I need to take out the safety blanket. And that really is probably James White and Edelman. Gronk, Gronk is great, but he could not, could not deliver consistently enough to, you know, put together a, a full drive, a holistic drive for Brady like Edelman and White can. Yeah. So I think, I think you're probably right that you are probably neutralizing those two targets. I just think that I think you are underselling how formidable that defense is. Um, and specifically the fact that, you know, we've seen it time and time again. This, is, this also goes back to, you know, the two Super Bowls against the Giants. Brady's a completely different player under pressure, and he has been privileged to have an unbelievable line in front of him most seasons. And I'm just saying right now, I, wouldn't be, I would not be surprised if Aaron Donald had, like, three sacks in this game. Oh, really? And if Brady's hitting the ground, yeah. And if, and, and if Brady – because honestly – Anytime that Donald has needed to deliver and bring this defense back up, he has stepped up. He definitely And has. I think the fact that they now have to – they now can't double him on every single play because out of nowhere, Sue once again has a pulse. I honestly think that if, if they can get Brady on the ground early, this is going to be a completely different game than what you're envisioning. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's pretty much their X factor right there. And then in terms of the other side of the ball – I think you're right. It's a pretty easy scheme, again, if Gurley doesn't play. And all they really have to do is double Cooks and, you know, basically say, okay, Jared Goff, go win this game with Robert Woods. Let's, let, like, let's see it happen. But if Gurley's in this game, you know that the front seven is going to be torn apart. You know that they're not going to be able to contain the Rams' offense. I, I am the, so the, I, I, the X factor. I, I is really Kyle do think Van it's Noy. going to be closer. Can't believe I'm saying that, but Kyle Van Noy has actually been playing like an All Pro, like the past again three games of the year. I don't know what. See that that's the other thing I can't really like point to with this Patriots team is because they just this is a completely different team than the team that we watched for 16 weeks. This is not the crew that you and I talked about. Like this defense is just a totally different unit than what we saw. That's why I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt that just I don't know if you're telling a Bill Belichick offense that hey the or defense hey the offense you're going up against is kind of gimmicky and they run a lot of play action. You just have to like pay attention. It just sounds like something they've been able to sniff out. What the Eagles did such a good job with in last year's Super Bowl, was there just so many weapons for the Eagles to throw to and so many different passing concepts that they were running that Patricia was just completely outmatched. I, I, I don't know. They You're able to hold down a Patrick Mahomes offense. How much more advanced is that Rams offense really going to be? I just, again, well, I could be totally we'll, off we'll, on that. But, but, but let's first put an asterisk on this. That Pat Mahomes offense is different than the Pat Mahomes offense that we had seen for basically 14 weeks. Yeah, because and also Kareem. Hunt like, 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 like yeah. let's just be let, let's just be realistic here. He went from having three dynamite can't miss weapons to two, and that obviously is going to have an effect. Mm-hmm. Again, I really think it comes on Gurley because you're absolutely right. Without him, it's a complete gimmick, and they don't have the personnel to really back it up. With him, they're one of the most versatile offenses in the league. It's going to be very easy for them to make adjustments. And if we're really going to put the fate of the game 
in Kyle Van Noy's hands, I welcome it. Game on. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, I'm sure you and I will go have more back and forths on this throughout the week, but I want to hear your give me an initial score prediction. I mean, it's Monday and we're still my goodness, 13 days until the actual Super Bowl. But what's your initial prediction? I uh I think it's going to be a bit of a grind again. I think I think these two championship games were eerily similar in the fact that defenses really were the tail of the tape. And honestly, kickers came up big. I wouldn't be surprised to see 31-28 Patriots. 31-28. I like the, the 31 number. I actually said in the Chiefs-Patriots game, it was a race to 30. Whoever got there first was going to win. And that held up until, obviously, the Patriots couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes for 40 seconds. But anyway, it doesn't matter. They still won. Uh, I'm going to go 31-17. to I just don't think the Rams... I can't believe I'm saying this about a Rams team that's like one of the best offensive teams we've ever watched. I just don't know if they're going to have enough in the tank in a one-game stretch against a Tom Brady and Bill Belichick team. I just see, I've seen so many teams like this get put together, you know, but just pieces everywhere, individual pieces that are good, but there's so many weaknesses in between those slots that these are just the teams that Brady and Belichick have feasted on for years, especially in the NFC. I say 31-17. I don't think the, the Rams even break 20. But I'm sure it'll change. Well, I agree, I, agree, I agree with you on one note. I can't believe you're saying it either. <laughs> it's going to be an amazing Super Bowl. But, buddy, I appreciate you coming on the pod, a, uh, a definite throwback for both of us. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, keep, uh, I'll keep the listeners updated on, uh, on your score predictions throughout the week. But, as always, buddy, I, I thank you for coming on. All right, appreciate it, buddy. All Go right. Rams. See ya. <laughs>